GAP episode number 23 with Professor Fumilola Fabamila. You guys ready? Let's go. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Think Alpha Project. As you guys know, this is a conversation of success for minorities today. I'm your host, Valentine Wudo. In this episode, before we go into anything, I want you guys to think about a quote that we actually brought um, uh, into the episode. And what this is the quote here, all right? Yes, we are limitless as human beings in many ways, of course. But in terms of the amount of daily energy we have to exert, it's finite. It's going to run out at some point. So be careful about what you use it on. And th- this episode is going to be about something like that. It's de- developing vision, building your discipline. We'll be talking about how it's been done. And the person that we'll be bringing in for this one is, her name is Fumi Lola Fabamila. She is, she goes for short as Lola sometimes. Um, but she, in this episode, we discuss our duty to be a positive reflection of our era. Now, she is an American, actually a Nigerian-American scholar, an activist, a playwright, and an artist. She's a professor at Pan-African Studies at California State University, Los Angeles, and she's one of the original members of the Black Lives Matter movement. She did finish off a late project, her latest project, which is a stage play called The Intersection. And this play, it touches on the complexities of black political identity. And of course, you'll hear more about that inside of the conversation that we have. Okay, so here's some of the things that we touch on. The art of discipline and how to find it in yourself. And also how to find your vision for yourself and for your life. You know, a lot of these topics we touch on is because that's a big, that's one of the biggest missings in our society today, like in our age range and in our, in, our uh, in times today is there's so much going on these days. There's not enough things where we can really focus on um, and discipline and having that has been hard, you know, especially if you live in a city like I do, Los Angeles, it's like there's something to do every single day, every night. So it's great to hear from somebody who, you know, it doesn't matter where you're at. And she's here in Los Angeles. She's figured out how to create a big production um, and like a play and continue to do the work that she does. And we'll go back and forth in that. So I know you guys will love it. But without further ado, I'm going to bring her right into the episode. I'm bringing to you guys Professor Fumilola Fabamila. All right, guys, we're back. On the Think Alpha project, and this week we have the one and only, wonderful Fumilola. How you doing, girl? I'm good. How you feeling? Good, good, good. Thank you for being here. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. All right, so we got to talk. Are you ready for that? <laughs> I'm prepared. What we got to talk about? All right, so I know first of all that you know we're going to go into quite a bit of things because you've you now have a recent project that you that you put out. So I'm going to ask you about that. Okay. And then other than that, though, I want folks to know more so like who we're talking to here because they don't understand the, <laughs> the magnitude of the person we're talking about right here. Um, so I know we know that you're a professor. Yes. 
Um, you're a professor at the school we went to together. Yes. Which is really good. Mm -hmm. And then you're a professor of Pan-African Studies. Yes. Doing that. Yes. And then also, um, I know that you are very, very active in the scene when it comes to like social justice act and activism with that. So you want to talk a little bit more about that real quick? Indeed. So, yes, I am a professor of Pan-African Studies at yeah. Cal State LA. You already know what it is. Um, I'm just, at this point, looking toward completing the second year of instruction. And so it has been a phenomenal two years. Um, my students are phenomenal and brilliant. I'm grateful for the experience. It has been also a challenge um, being a new professor. Um, it is a great deal of work, uh, but you know, I really do love that work. Yeah. Um, in terms of teaching that's one thing and then my creative work is a whole nother realm of my life so you mentioned my project that um, recently came out at the pan-african film festival mm -hmm. and that's a stage play um, it's entitled the intersection woke black folk and it i can give a short synopsis essentially it deals with the complexity of black political identity huh. that black people are very complex people um, and I think that what happens is, is that historically, black people have been conceptualized as a monolithic people, as a not complex people. Right. And what the play does is it complicates black political identity. And it was um, presented to the Pan-African Film Festival as possibly being their featured theatrical event, their featured theatrical production. Mm -hmm. um, people don't know that with the Pan-African Film Festival that they often do featured stage productions. Um, can we continue? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. That we often do okay. featured stage productions. Um, um, that the festival oftentimes does that. And so my production was chosen as the featured stage production and we opened it last week and um, to a full house and the reception of the work was phenomenal and people were really excited about that because they saw themselves in the characters right um, and that is linked into my social justice work in terms of my work with you know combating anti-black state violence and then a number of the organizations that i work with and so I, I simply just you know desire for the world to be healthier and fairer than what it was when i came into it that's awesome I, I, and and i love what you're saying about you know really to me it's it's you're elevating consciousness like to me that's what that is but if i were to ask you like what's the main premise of what is the main premise of what you are creating right now? The My, main premise. The mm -hmm. main premise is with my creative work and my scholarship and academic work yeah. and my work within various social justice spaces, what I am creating, the main premise would be for humans to be able to engage each other with greater compassion. Sorry, for good, humans to have greater intellectual and emotional maturity to the extent that we would be able to communicate more effectively. That I think so much of the devastation of the world, so much of the trauma of the world is an outgrowth of humans being either incapable or unwilling to communicate effectively with each other. And that's the main premise of it. Wow, do you think that happens? Like, I feel like what you just said, like it's, that's the root of so many, yeah. man, this is the root of so many issues. Yeah. Even even in just relationships, period. Yeah, in right? relationships, period. Family relationships, romantic relationships. Do we know how to? Do we know how to engage each other 
not just respectively, respectably, but to communicate effectively and say what it is that we really are trying to say. Do we know how to be vulnerable? Mm. Do we know how to communicate what we're That's really feeling? <laughs> Vulnerability, we are trained to yeah. like avoid, right? Right, right? We are literally trained to not be too deeply invested in the process of being emotional right. because we've been taught that being, you know, that fully engaging our emotions is like, it's, it's a sign of weakness. It makes you stronger to be mm -hmm. able to be vulnerable, to effectively communicate the things that hurt you or that don't sit well with you or that you don't agree with, and to do that without fighting with the person that you're in conversation with. Right. That shows up in why a lot of people's romantic relationships dis disintegrate and can't do well because we're <laughs> not trained. We are quite literally not from young age. We are not trained on how to deal with difficult emotion. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like that? Because, okay, with what you just said, I, I feel like for, I'm just gonna speak specifically to uh, like black culture, um, especially with men, it's not really taught like that. Like it's not taught, and what we're taught to do growing up is don't cry, um, be a man, whatever, that's, whatever that is, whatever that means. And then, then you grow older, and then just like you said, you have people who they have these unresolved hurts or these things that they suppress. Yeah. You know, that they're not letting out. Exactly. And me, honestly, like, it's so interesting because for me, I don't subscribe to, I chose a long time ago not to subscribe to that. Like, yeah. I, ch I chose to be vulnerable as much as I can. Right. Um, and I've learned a few things. I've learned that when I speak how I feel mm -hmm. in the moment and not as a, like if, if something somebody does something wrong to me, it's not about me checking them necessarily. Mm -hmm. It's what, hey, I just want you to, let me put you aside. It's like, I just want you to know this is how it came across. This is right. how I felt. Right. Like, I don't know if that's what you were going for, but this is what, this is what it feels. And I don't, like, did I do something? Like, did, is there something I did here? And a lot of folks mistake that for I don't know, weakness or something? Exactly. You know what I mean? But I mean, imagine how powerful that is for you to not try to fight someone yeah. on whenever you feel any particular way, but for you to yeah. be able to do exactly what you said that you do or that, that which has been natural to you, which is, say, is to say, you know, hey, I feel like what you, this is how what you did made me feel or, you know, this is how I processed what happened as opposed to being like, you're a whack person and you do whack things and I'm not dealing with you anymore. <laughs> yeah. People do that all yeah. the time, you know, yeah. and you bring up how black men are implicated in all of this and how, you know, it depends on where you're talking about geographically located does, yeah, in the sure. world sure. as what black masculinity is supposed to look like. But in America specifically, Within an American Western context, black masculinity is supposed to look like a very specific thing. And you, based off of what you're telling me about how you navigate the world, that in many ways you exist outside of that. Um, that, you know, you're supposed to be, you feel me, just. Right, right, you right. You feel me? Um, and, and all of that it doesn't, <laughs> you can't be permeated. Yeah. And, and what that does is makes a, a wall happen. And if vulnerability is not allowed to happen because your masculinity, is demands that you do not allow that ha to happen because you've been trained that way mm -hmm. from the time you were a young boy. That means that you cannot connect with people mm -hmm. in a real way because the basis of connection is the willingness to see each other outside of just the physical aesthetic that I'm seeing who you are right. behind all of this. 
all of that is a process of being willing to show what you are. That's vulnerability. You can't connect with anybody in any true substantial way unless you're willing to be vulnerable. And if you've been trained that your masculinity depends on, or your strength as a woman even, that your strength yeah. is to not allow for people to permeate that, you've lost the capacity to connect with connect. people in a way that would allow, that, that brings about joy. Joy mm -hmm. is also birthed from vulnerability. Right, and, and oh man, that's so good you said that. Cause like what I, what I like to say is that the same, okay, people put up this wall, act all tough. I like, I, I call it acting tough, right? You just, mm -hmm. you just act, hear it acting. Yeah. You just acting tough, right? Yeah. People do this in order to avoid whatever pain might come from feeling vulnerable. Yeah. Like whatever pain they perceive is gonna come from that. But what happens is you also, uh, you also, it costs you something. And it, it, what it costs you is the joy because the same emotion of joy is accessed through that same vulnerability. Yes. And if, you, if you're blocking what that is, then that means you're also blocking the good. There it is. And that's literally it is that when people refuse to show how they feel, what they are, because they don't want to be vulnerable, they don't want to be up for scrutiny, up for judgment, um, what you do are you, what you're doing is you're trying to protect yourself from being yeah. hurt or being rejected or being whatever it may be. Yeah. But you're also preventing yourself from experiencing the goodness, joy, positivity that comes from being willing to be open and express yourself. Because that's also the birth of joy. So vulnerability is the also is the space where yeah. from it can come pain, but also from it can, can can come joy. So you take the risk to be vulnerable and and know that something good can come of it, you know, and that is a possibility of avoiding trauma if you know how to navigate negative emotions. We also, you know, we get easily traumatized because when something bad happens or something that we don't like happens, we are taught to take it personally. It must be something because you know, something that I did, or, right. or you know, it must be yeah. me, or you start judging yourself. And there's a way in which, you know, we can train for lack of a better way of explaining this, we can train our minds to not necessarily be so hyper judgmental of ourselves. Mm. <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah, people are so people are so quick to judge first. It's just interesting. And and I can see why, like, why this is the root, you know, even on a cultural context. Um, whereas between cultures or between races, for example. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, just like you said, it's really about vulnerability versus judgment, compassion versus judgment. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. We judgment. I'm, I was gonna, part of me wants to say that maybe judgment has its time that you assess if, and maybe not self judgment, but like if you're judging other people, that there's a moment in time where maybe judgment should be there. If you're judging, if they're, if somebody's engaging in behavior that is harmful and because of that, you make a judgment on them because of that, you're judging them as a person that is engaging in harmful behavior, et cetera, et cetera, whatever it may be. But like, just kind of like unrelenting self critical self judgment that comes from somewhere, you know? I think a lot of, 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 of human beings have been trained to believe that it's normal to just be like 
hypercritical of ourselves hmm. um, and to compare ourselves to other human beings. Like, you know, this person is doing that. This person got more likes than me. This person got more followers <laughs> than me. This person is popping. This person, oh, man. you know, Instagram. they abs is more on, on point than mine. <laughs> and it's just kind of like, comparison is an act of violence against the self. Ayanna Levanzant hmm. said that. I love Ayanna. Yeah. A lot of people, she's, a, she's lot of awesome. pe- a lot of people don't <laughs> rock with Ayanna, but I do love Ayanna for Wait, what why, she why? does offer her, uh, offer us. Some people think that that her assessment is not like nuanced enough, that there's some, you know, there's some gray some areas, thing, there's some gray areas that she doesn't address properly. Got it. But I think that the foundational, what she offers is, this is gorgeous healing work. Um, and she stated at one point that comparison is an act of violence against the self because it assumes that somebody could in any way compare to what you are. Like, we are all fully individual. And the idea that we would look at our lives and then look at somebody else's lives and then say, well, okay, they got that, I got this, is, is, is a strange, unnecessary, violent behavior toward the fullness of what you are, which could never be compared to what right. anybody else is, but we don't know that we're doing it and so we do it all the time. Well, let's not talk, you talk about Instagram because Instagram is like the, the vehicle through which people compare now. And, yeah. it's, and it's so mainstream that mm-hmm. you, you almost can't avoid it. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, I, a friend of mine, her, his girlfriend doesn't have Instagram or Facebook and I'm like, Yo, that's rare. <laughs> it's rare to find people who don't who don't have that. So we live in a day and age where, unfortunately, you know, comparison is definitely. I feel I feel like that's always been a part of the experience for people. Yeah. The human experience. Yeah. But now it's like in your face all the freaking time. Now it's a daily process where it's like it's on your phone in a very particular way. I think yeah, just like you said, it's always been part of how humans engage each other, kind of this comparison, but now it's it's something else. It doesn't mean that we can't use social media to connect and to build and to learn and to grow and to yeah. enhance and evolve and, 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 and communicate with each other. We can use it for all of those phenomenal, wonderful, tremendous yeah. things, but, but if you don't know how to use it properly, then it just becomes a tool that you use to compare yourself to other people. Dang. And hella people fall into that trap. Hella yeah. people. I know, I Like know. anxiety is on the loose. Anxiety is on the loose in 2018, 2017, 2016. It is on the up and up. Mm-hmm. Why? It's not because of no reason. <laughs> it's not because of no reason. Right, right, you know, it's right. because of something that's happening in this technological era. So we use it for the good and we have to mediate the bad. Right. And right. be careful of that. Well, wow, so I know we just went like super deep into th- which is a really good conversation for a lot of people, especially because a lot of people have um, a lot of people are, are judgmental and a lot of folks are in relationships, either be with friends or romantically. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know folks don't understand why they can't get along with their friend or their partner. And so this is like really delving into a root of that. Yeah. Um, but I do want to talk about the play that you did in mm-hmm. your process mm-hmm. of going into of actually completing it. Cause yo, to create something from nothing and mm. to actually put it out, I know that's a big feat. I was very celebratory when we finished the first <laughs> run of the show. And You're the like, reason, yes, winning. 
that's exactly the feeling. Uh -huh. And I was so uh -huh. celebratory yeah. because I was just like, we did it. That was a grand amount of work to do it. And so it, it was a moment where I understood why a lot of people have the idea to do grand creative projects, but don't ever do it. Right. Mm. And so because there's a lot of people with great ideas. Well, everybody. Is. So many people have most people, I want to say, have some idea that at one point in time in their life we could identify as a great idea right. that maybe never gets off the ground because the amount of physical, emotional and psychological and intellectual labor it takes to manifest um, a, a, um, a creative project of, of a grand of a grand proportion. I know that for me, specifically in the field of theater and writing this one person show stage play, um, I have been thinking about it for three years. I originally mm. conceptualized it three years ago. Um, I put out a video which was almost like an introduction to the themes that are addressed in the play two years ago to see how people would react to it um, whether and I remember when I first wrote the first kind of draft of the trailer for this I remember thinking that people were going to be like almost angry like not and not like it to just to, to not like it to the extent that I felt like people might feel called out by my characters because they would see themselves in my characters mm -hmm. and I'm calling out my characters in the play and saying y'all need y'all got some stuff you need to work on huh. and I thought that maybe because people would see themselves in it that they would feel called out by it and be like in some way dismiss it yeah. but the opposite happened people saw themselves in it and just just fully became mm. invested in the project in a way that I had never seen before. So when I first wrote the poem, which became the trailer to the play, I was just kind of like, okay, let's just see what happens. I had never seen any of my work be that re reacted to in the way in which that particular piece was. And I was like, okay, this is, resonating. Like, this is resonating with people's, not just their minds, this is resonating with them on a heart energetic level. Mm -hmm. and, it's, and so I took it from there and continued to conceptualize the project. I was like in grad school at the time. I had so many other mm -hmm. obligations, so I didn't have the capacity to devote myself fully to the creative project. I wish I could have, but I needed to make a living and I wasn't making a living. Yeah. Get that money. Right. Have to. It's important. You gotta feed. You gotta feed your mouth. Feed yourself. Period. And so I can't just be like, well, I'm gonna play right now. So I'm gonna go ahead and quit my job, and you know, I won't be teaching this semester. And because first of all, I do love teaching, but it is that is my profession. This is my job, and I have to do my job. And huh. and my creative process as it pertained to playwriting took the back seat for quite some time. But then what happened is I got an. Uh, well, first, the trailer continues to uh, travel. It's traveling. People are seeing it more and more. Eventually, um, you know, when in its first articulation, its first performance, uh, Angela Davis saw it, and she really gave a, a really beautiful stamp of approval on it. Yeah. And Angela Davis, of course, everybody knows, is one of the most... Um, what is even the word, one of the most profoundly uh, purposeful and active uh, freedom fighters of our time. 
you know, and of, mm-hmm. and of a past generation, you know, because at this point she's an elder now. Um, and she laid so much of the intellectual groundwork for us as it right. pertains to yep. social justice, understanding what a just world could look like as it pertains to mass incarceration, race, gender, all of it. She gave us so much of herself in her life. So that is why she is so decorated in the way that she is within uh, within the world and specifically within the circles that demanded more just world. Mm-hmm. When she gave such a beautiful stamp of approval of the work, I felt humbled by the fact that she was invested in my in my mm-hmm. vision. Um, and then later on, Erica Badu saw it um, specifically on Instagram and and she gave, uh, again really? gave a grand stamp of approval. Yeah. Dang, yeah. I, I didn't know these things happened. That's awesome. Yeah, I was, first of all, Angela Davis stamp of approval. I was like, okay. You're like, what? I'm honor. done. I, I, don't need to, I don't need to do much else in my life. <laughs> and then when, Badu, when, when I saw the comment from Badu, I threw my phone. I threw, <laughs> I threw my phone. I said, <laughs> You know, we good, we good, we done. <laughs> I threw my phone. And from that point, just continue, you know, still dealing with my daily obligations, but finding time to develop the work. Right. Eventually, if we fast forward some time later, I was able to connect with the Pan-African Film Festival. They were fully um, on board with bringing this piece on as their featured theatrical production for the film festival. Um, And it was a great honor because the Pan-African Film Festival is not just only a phenomenal um, cultural production, but it's also the largest black film festival that exists um, in the Western world for sure. Um, And so when we solidified that, what it did was that it gave me a immediate due date that I needed to work with. Like, you have this much time to get it together. You gotta get it together. No production team, no nothing. Just me and my idea. Just me and my idea. Over time, I got a DJ. I got a pianist. I got somebody that could help with, you know, stage management. And we just, I got somebody that could help with lighting. And it all just really kind of last minute pieced itself together because people in my community and just kind of, even not necessarily in my community, but were just around that were observing the project and believed in it, they came on board and they said, whatever you need to get this done, let me know we're gonna do it. And I was very grateful that a team composed themselves to help me get this done. And we got it done and it came out and I was absolutely terrified. <laughs> I was just gonna ask you if you were scared. I was absolutely <laughs> terrified. I was terrified. <laughs> but that's what it takes to take your work. And I can only speak from this place of knowingness because I just went through it. Exactly. I was this terrified. Um, quite literally, like, and I, I'm not a particularly nervous person. Right. I was shaking internally, like, Everything can absolutely go wrong right now. <laughs> everything, could, everything could go wrong because this we didn't have enough time. We didn't have enough time. You know, great. you know how it takes time to get everything. Okay, everything perfect. Okay, mm-hmm. we good to go. Yeah, Not at all. Take about everything that you imagine the time that you would need to make everything set so that we can have a perfectly run show. I want you to take just a quarter of that time. That's, That's how much time we had. Oh, about gosh. a quarter of that time. We did as many rehearsals as we could in the very small period of two weeks that we had to get it done. And we did it. And it um, 
And what it demanded of me was discipline, creative discipline, true creative discipline, to the extent that I had to say no in order to make this play happen. I had to say no to many things that I wanted to do. Um, I think that when we think about discipline, we're like, okay, I got my schedule, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that. Sometimes it demands, especially if you have a firm due date, a firm deadline, right. you're gonna have to say no to things that you want to do. You know, there were a few things where I'm like, dang, I can't even, no, I can't do that. That right I now. planned for months to do. No, can't do it. I love that you used drop some knowledge just, <laughs> just now because I, I think people don't understand that. I see a lot of folks when they try to, um, they have something, they have a goal, and then they have a pathway. Mm-hmm. And they're going. But then you also see, you know, you also see them start doing other stuff at the same time. I'm like, but I thought you wanted to do, you know, I have a friend who, who's like that. He's like, you know, I have this business thing I'm doing. I'm like, cool. But next week, he was like, yeah, man, I just, I just sat with this, this, this dude and, you know, we're going to do this. I'm like, dude, you just wanted to do that. And, and just like you said, like the only reason why even something like this podcast came to fruition is because even with Herbalife, my, you know, the, the, the business that I have, and then even with a lot of, a couple of other things that I have going on too, mm-hmm. I had to be like, no. For yeah. now, for now, no, I need to do this right now, get this going. Cause there is a, a point in time where it becomes second nature. Yeah. Like what was once, what once took so much mental energy mm. becomes second nature. Yes. And it, and you, you start to execute on it without thinking. Yes. Then yes. you can get to the next thing. And it doesn't have to take that long to get to that point. Yep. Right? Yeah, but you can't have like three newly infant projects at right. one time because that takes too much attention and energy to master it yeah. before you can add another thing. But people don't think that way. For some reason, a lot, I mean, many people, like even for instance, your friend, if you have three newly conceptualized ideas, you're going to try to give like, you know, 30% of your energy to this one, 30% here, and then 30% here. It's not going to work like give this one 80 percent of your time and then 20 percent to survive and you know right, go do what you gotta do but give that 80 percent of your of your energy that you have master it to the extent that you can it becomes second nature then do your next one you know um that's real wow so it's it's just cool to know that i didn't even ask you any of that but you mm-hmm. brought it up that mm-hmm. that's what you had to do yeah i had to i had to devote my creative energy to one thing for a very specific amount of time. Mm -hmm. And now I can never unlearn all of those things that I learned, even though it was really strenuous for a few months, that's okay. I survived. Even though I was nervous and anxiety ridden right before I went on stage, that's okay. I survived. Like we, we almost treat like nervousness and anxiety as like a stop sign. Like, okay, huh. I'm too nervous and I I feel like I'm going to fail. Let me stop. Just walk through it. <laughs> Just feel the pain of it and walk, walk through, through it. it. Just walk through it. Awesome. Just 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 go right on through it. And so but you said something that was interesting to me about what does it mean when people take on too many projects and change direction of their intention too mm-hmm. often? Somebody that I really love their philosophies on life and their understanding of the world is named Sadhguru. And he is an Indian thinker and a mystic. And he does wonderful work about helping human beings to understand their full potential in terms of their intellectual capacity. And he says wow. something very interesting that is right aligned with what you just said, which is, 
if you want to reach your destination, stop changing directions. He said something along those lines, where it's like, if you have somewhere that you want to go and you see it there and you you start going and then you're like, oh wait, no, but I'm gonna make a movie. And then you come back, and, no, but wait, I'm gonna go get me a hamburger. And then you keep going, to, but wait, I'm, I'm about to start, um, you know, I'm gonna open up a nail shop on Slauson. And then you go, like, just get there and then take it somewhere else and then get there. And then you can't keep doing that. Exactly. Focus. Love it. Focus. Focus. <laughs> you know? Say it three times. <laughs> just focus. And you can do other stuff later. That's not like, oh, well, now you're keeping me from being able to explore all of the ideas that I have in life because, you know, I'm a multifaceted human being and I have hella ideas and I want to do all of them. Yes, you can. Can you do one first? Do one. <laughs> can first. we complete one? Just finish one real quick. Do one. Yeah. Then you can do another one. Then do that. Finish that. Then you can do another one. Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I. I uh... I was having another conversation with someone and, you know, I was saying that it's like the effort when you do focus, it's it's, it's interesting because I, I don't want to call it magic, but it's almost magical what happens when you like direct some all of your focus on one little thing, one thing mm -hmm. and the return that comes from it. Is great, you know, mm -hmm. um, but that's a lot of people. That's one thing I know that a lot of people need to understand that they currently don't. Mm. They don't get it. Mm. They don't get it. And you know, for those of you watching, guys watching this video, I, I think or listening to the audio, like it's so important. It's yeah. so important that you pay, you understand whatever you're working on. You have to be willing for a certain period of time to focus just on that. You know, like when Absolutely. I had, yeah, like even, even I remember before, um, when I grew my business back when I was like 22, 23, mm -hmm. I chose back then I was actually fired from my first job, my nursing job, which is crazy. That's another story, but I got a second job, but I chose this job because this job allowed me. Um, I could still do the work that I was comfortable in, mm -hmm. but it didn't require so much mental energy. Okay. Right? right. So that now it's like, cool, I can save the energy that I have mm -hmm. and put it most of it into learning what I got to do to Absolutely. learn this business. Absolutely. And then from there growing and, and making sure that I mastered this business and figuring it out. Absolutely. And it paid off, man. It paid off because I made the right choice. Because yes. I definitely had opportunities to go to like this top notch hospital ICU place, you know, but it would have taken a lot of my mental energy. It, it definitely would have subtracted from what I could what I could have achieved. Yes. You're talking about managing your energy because mm -hmm. it's finite. Man, that, and I don't hear about I, honestly, I don't hear about that concept a lot. Like, mm -hmm. I've never coined it as I call it conserving, which say yeah. imagine conserving, same thing, synonymous. Mm -hmm. But you're right, like you have to you have to do that. You have to actively do that. And it's finite energy. It's it, yes, we are limitless as human beings yeah. in, in many ways, of course. But in terms of like the amount of daily energy that we have to exert is finite. It's going to run out at some yeah. point. So be careful with the things that you use it on. And, you know, we talk about this often about the idea of being careful about having draining things in your life. Things that are taking and demanding energy from you that don't need to be there. Eliminate them. That's why they say that evolution demands elimination. 
position. Who? That if you want to evolve, get rid of the things that are taking up space that don't need to take up space in your mind, in your heart, in your spirit. That is energy that you could be used, that you could use on mm -hmm. manifesting your vision. And, but instead, you know, you're engaging in dramatic endeavors in life that are <laughs> yeah. fruitless. Are you still hanging out with the same people that they ain't about nothing? Right. You know. Right. <laughs> be weary. Be aware of. Gotta be who careful, man. You exert your energy with and who's in your circle and who you're spending time with. It matters. It permeates your skin. People don't get that. That the energy that surrounds you quite literally permeates your skin, your being. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's around you. It's essentially in you. I know that that sounds strange, but at the very <laughs> it's at the core of it, 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 it affects you. Is what I'm trying yeah. to get at. It affects yeah. you. It's yeah. that which we have to be aware of. Right, 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 right. And um, we have to try to make sure that our work is helpful in the world. Yeah. I think that as creatives, Nina Simone said that the artist, but I'll even edit it for this particular conversation, that as creatives, as people that create in the world, that it is our uh, it is our duty to be a reflection of the times. We are in times where and we've in the world has always had problems, but specifically in this particular political contentious moment, we have to be aware of the fact that if we call ourselves advocates of a more fair, just, loving, healthy world, we would want for our work to, to advance us toward that. Right. And to always be aware of the fact that it is not only about us. That is the most fulfilling work, mm. is when you know that your work is not only about you getting paid and being fly and mm. popping. <laughs> exactly. And all the, it's good to be popping. It's better to help people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's better to help people be a cause of putting someone else in a better position in life. Right, for sure, for sure. I love that. I think that is true, actually, I call it actualization. I'll, that's the term that I'll use. Like, you're, you're matured and you're actualized is when you start to move based on that. Not just, of course, I gotta, I gotta take care of myself, of course. Of course. Um, and I, I don't, like, don't get me wrong, you know, the things that me personally, I've chosen, in the way that I want to do it, mm -hmm. I would like, I know that I would over time get very, very well compensated for, mm -hmm. for it. So yeah. it's like choosing the best of both where you can get paid well, but at the same time, you're still doing what you love and it's helping. Uh, it's it's based on helping a lot of people. Absolutely. For sure. You don't choose between one or the other. Like, oh, either I'm going to help people in my life and be a catalyst for good, or I'm just going to handle my own thing and be flossy and fly. You can do both. Right. People, if they're not mutually exclusive. Yeah. Just do both. Just do. <laughs> just, you don't have to choose between right. one or the other. Handle your own business. Take care of yourself and the people that are around you, the people that you love and your family. Right. And also be helpful right. to people. It's important. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's good. So um, I want to ask you a question. What would you say is is, uh, is something that, like a quote you personally live by? Because you're successful. Like you're 27. You are, you know, you have a prestigious career. You're a sought after speaker. You know, you got a lot of things going on. You, you're doing some things right. You know, what, what? What investments, like, what are some of the most powerful investments you feel like you made? That at the time, you, mm. you didn't know. You mm -hmm. didn't quite know if, if it were, were going to be good for you or not. But mm. looking back, it's like, dang. 
it got to be mon monetary investment mm -hmm. or time or time that I invested in myself. What do you mean? Um, around the age 19, 20, around that time, which was not all that long ago, but when I was around 19, 20, I spent a great deal of time really reflecting on who I am, what I want, how I want to contribute to the world. What, what, who, what am I? Who am I? You know, what is this ex experience on this world, in this world about? I think that that foundational time that I spent with myself in terms of like, um, it wasn't about like going out and partying. It wasn't about right. being the most pop and it wasn't about being on the scene at that particular time in my life. It was like a good chunk of time where I spent like um, reading, researching a lot, not, but reading text and researching things that were helping me to understand myself and my own mind better so that I could use energy not on, you know, you know, the anxiousness that comes with right. not knowing who you are. Right. Yeah. Not knowing who you are, what you are, what you want to do is hella anxiety it's, inducing. And it's draining. It's it's it's, yeah. it's exhausting. Mm-hmm. So instead of using energy on That's that crazy, yeah. and use, you know, that that time in my life to figure out what, what am I, who am I, what do I want, how do I want to contribute to the world, then from that point, the years moving forward, the energy just goes to developing my visions rather than moderating and mediating my insecurity. When you can deal, Dang. You, can, you know, like, insecurity is time consuming. So, okay, so you know, because you asked, well, first off, I vouched for all that because I knew you when you were 19, 20. <laughs> <laughs> right. Let me be clear. You already, okay. And, and I'll tell you guys right now. Oh, yo, she does not look a day older than when I used to, you see, used to see her all the time in college. It's nuts. It is so crazy. I and it's the best I thing ever. I appreciate you, Kyle. That's the first thing. The second, the second thing is... Um, and he looking pretty fly, you feel me? I mean, come on, looking, man. Look, late bloomer. Late bloomer. Late bloomer. Look, stop it. Stop. Stop. <laughs> stop. <laughs> okay, so so the, you touched on something that's really, that's really brilliant because a lot of folks don't know what, like, what that looks like. Case in point, mm -hmm. what you just said is you talked about instead of nursing my insecurities, essentially. Literally. Right? Which is what so many people still do. Oh, that was a great way to put it. You actually started to ask yourself certain questions. What? That's what I got from what you said. Yes. But the thing is, how, how are you even aware that that was like, that's what you were doing? Some people, mm -hmm. they're just going about life. They have no idea mm -hmm. that what they're doing is nursing their insecurities. Like, how, mm -hmm. did, how did you even be aware of that? Um, it was the things that I was exposing myself to, the ideas that I was exposing myself to. And if I'm being fully and completely honest, it was the types of books that I was reading at the time. People identify them. Books. Yeah, they were books. Do you remember any of them? The Four Agreements is a wonderful oh. foundational text. It just helps you Great. to ask the, those questions. Why, why do humans get jealous? Why do humans react to frustration and anger the way that they do? You know? Asking these questions helps you to understand why your mind and your emotions do very particular things. It doesn't mean that then because of that knowledge that you can then control what your mind does because, you know, mental health is a very real thing in this very dramatic and traumatic world that we live in yeah. when you struggle with mental health, anxiety, depression, and all of these things. But I know that for me in my specific experience was that when I started to ask myself those questions, I then was 
able to access the capacity to be fully aware of what my mind was doing. So when I would have fruitless, negative thoughts, judgmental thoughts, hating thoughts, cause like, you know, somebody walked by and you want to hate on them inside your mind. Like, oh, she thinks she cute. Really? Yeah, you ain't uh -huh, cute. Uh -huh. Like, and I quite literally, if I had a, a, a fruitless thought like that, I, it was a process where I would be like, okay, now what purpose did that serve? I would dismiss the thought <laughs> as useless and eventually they kind of just stopped coming. That is energy that I don't have to use on insecurity, negativity. That's energy that can be used on self-development. Oh my God, it's so true. This is great. I just, oh my God, this is great. And I, I'm just reflecting on what you're saying because it's books It's books that has, has gotten me so far, like mm -hmm. this far. Because what happens when you read certain books, they, they like wake you up. Mm-hmm. They wake you up to things you never thought about before. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, there were a number of books that transform your way of navigating the world because books just expose you to ideas that you didn't have in your mind before, which grows your perception, mm -hmm. which allows for you to have expand the possibilities of your life. Okay, so Four Agreements is a book, mm -hmm. uh, and that's by Don Miguel Ruiz. Mm -hmm. You got a couple more that you can think mm -hmm. of off the fly? Well, one that more. was helpful for me was The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle, which I really appreciated. Mm. Um, I did, if we're talking about books that are about self-perception, um, um, I did read a number of Ayanna Van Zandt's books, that, and she has so many, you know, that can be looked into. Um, I read... Um, a book, and I'm still reading a book called Conscious Loving, which helps us to understand why um, human beings are so largely entangled in traumatic romantic relationships and how we become co-dependent upon each other rather than just being kind of in a cohesive, healthy relationship, a kind of codependency that is unhealthy. And it, that book gets at that. Um, and then also the political texts that I was engaging are helpful. I think that when people think of like, I studied sociology, I studied Pan-African studies, black studies. Right. I studied, um, and, and in my studying that in undergrad, I was also exposed to philosophy and history classes, political science classes. And all of these texts that I'm reading throughout this these times in my life, when I'm reading Asada, when I'm reading, um, um, when I'm reading uh, A Taste of Power by Elaine Brown, when I'm reading texts that are written by Angela Davis, and I'm, I'm reading texts that are written by Alice Walker uh, in Search of Our Mother's Garden, I'm reading, you know, uh, all of these different politically centered books in terms of understanding politically what's happening in this country and the world, they're helping me to have a greater understanding of why the world and this country is the way the that way it, it is. is. And when you are armed with that understanding, you feel, you feel less defenseless. People, a lot of insecurity hmm. comes from, I don't know why things are happening as they are. I, I don't get it and I don't like it, so I'm gonna avoid it and I'm just gonna pop bottles and get bitches and get money. And the thing is nice. like, you can't, <laughs> if you are avoiding it because you don't understand it, you are coming from a super disempowered place. Super, yeah. But if you yeah. study, look into it and understand why what is happening is happening, then you can look at it and say, okay, that is, I don't like that, but I understand right. why. 
I get I get it. That goes with a lot of things in life too. Absolutely. Just by educating yourself on it, it changes your whole perspective on it. Like for example, cancer. Mm. That's a touchy one, right? Mm -hmm. And you know, and uh, you know, my dad has battled with cancer himself. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, we're a family full of medical professionals. So I'm like, man, this this family, people would think we're just kind of like, something's wrong with us because we're just like sitting around like, okay, yeah, cancer is, you know, we're just sitting around. But normally, if another family might hear of that, they're just, you know, it's very emotional. You know right, what I'm saying? Right. But because we know so much about it. Yeah. Um, it really does change the way you view things when you know about Absolutely. it. And that's why it pays It pays to read books. It pays to inform yourself on these things. Absolutely. So we deal a lot of ignorance in our in our society. Absolutely. The, trauma, the, the, the trauma that comes from not understanding, the trauma that comes from ignorance, because now you have to just, you know, be emotionally invested in a really traumatized way because you don't get it and it's harmful and you don't like yeah. it. Versus like, I see that. Okay, I see what we can do to change it. I see what we can do to exactly. to remedy it. I see that I see I, I know whether or not I can remedy it because there's a knowingness there. Mm -hmm. That immediately mediates the kind of emotional trauma that is associated with things that we don't like happening. Man, yeah, man. So the key word here is educate yourself. Educate yourself about everything possible. Be inquisitive and question everything. <laughs> Isn't that what you do? That is your, like, that is your job is to question. Everything. Everything. Don't just take anything because, oh, I told, I believe it because my uncle told me when I was five years old that this is what it is. Question it and go check for yourself. Don't be lazy. We are also trained to be intellectually lazy. I'm, I'm just going to yeah, believe people, it because somebody told me. No, nah. go check it yourself. It's like people are forgetting or people people don't know how to think anymore. Think. Yeah. Think. Check it for yourself. Think for yourself. Think. It shouldn't be a revolutionary idea to think for yourself. That should be one of the joys of being human. We have the ability to engage in intellectual pursuits. What, what kind of foolishness would it be to squander it? We are not ants. We don't just exist to survive. We exist to thrive as human beings. We have the ability to engage in intellectual pursuits. What a shame it would be to squander it and not question things. That's lazy. <laughs> That's lazy. That's I lazy. agree. I agree. It's lazy. I agree. Oh, I'm going to just believe that because it's comfortable. Or, or like when, when people people will bring up something, I'm like, I could just tell you just got this from somebody else. Like you ain't even you ain't even thought yeah, about it. Yeah, you ain't even thought you, you just got this from someone else. Oh my gosh, yeah. But yeah, thinking for yourself, think for yourself. Um, well, first that's the society in today. But for anybody, for, once again, for guys, if you're listening to this, watching this, you gotta understand that your life as it's cut out to be has come from your willingness to either go by what you think exists or doesn't exist or you're going on living off of what someone else thinks of you or what someone else thinks your life should be like or how things are whatever narrative someone else has of you is what you're going for so that's why we we talk about right. these things so it's so key is because your life is going to be created based off of that absolutely the limits of your life is the limit of your willingness to question, engage, 
pursue. Right. And if you engage more ideas, and if you question more critically, and if you think more keenly, the capacity of your life opens up and expands. Mm -hmm. But the more you just stick to what you know, and I'm gonna just stick right here, because this is my comfort zone, nothing beautiful comes from comfort mm -hmm. zone. Nothing, well, I'll rephrase, nothing expansive Nothing that is evolving comes from your comfort zone. It demand, discomfort is a necessity of evolution. If you only want to be comfortable at all times with what you're doing, get settled where you are, because that's where you're going to stay. <laughs> just be comfortable. Just sit on where you are, because that's where you're going to stay. Go ahead and chill out. <laughs> be, be willing to be dis uncomfortable and be okay with being uncomfortable. You can walk right through it. You don't have to retreat when you feel uncomfortable. Right. Just go right through it. It's temporary. Yeah. For sure. Wow. Thanks for dropping so much knowledge. Oh, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Intelligent, sir. Yeah, absolutely. So do you want to, I want to talk about just real quick your play, because I know you have another idea <laughs> uh, of, of a play that you wanted yeah. to talk about. Yeah. So, so let's bring that up real quick. Mm -hmm. So what do you, what do you, what are you working on next? Okay, so the, the intersection Woke Black Folk is the name of the project and it essentially is dealing with black political identity within the Western context. My next project will be the second installation of the Intersection series. So like a sequel? It's In many ways, yes. Like it's volume a, two. Essentially, right? <laughs> but it, it's, it, but it's, it, it's engaging a similar theme, but with a different demographic of Ooh. people. So it's all about engaging the interesting things that people do and think, specifically black people in this world. Um. Black people, so woke black folk deals with kind of like black political consciousness in a Western context, whereas my next project will deal with the way in which global black communities, those black people within the black African diaspora that are not in America, the way that they engage with black Americans that we call African Americans, black Americans specifically. I can speak from mm. the place of a West African woman. I can speak from the place of a Nigerian woman because I am Nigerian American. So I understand the Nigerian's perspective, the West African's perspective, the African's perspective. And then I also understand the quote unquote black American's perspective. And what I do is I serve as a bridge between these two communities to communicate. Right. And this second show will engage the way that these communities, Nigerians and black Americans, engage each wow. other. They're very similar and very different. Mm -hmm. And we have to be willing to look at those differences. Yeah, that's that's an entirely new conversation that hopefully we get a chance to really uh, dive into, mm -hmm. you know, and, and take the time to really dive into that. But just like you, you know, being Nigerian, it's, uh, <laughs> It's been it's, it's, it's an interesting um, coming of two worlds, right? And being able to uh, <laughs> talk and you know mediate between the two. Yeah. But that, I'm excited to see what, what what comes out of that. You know, that, I think that's great work, and it's a, it's a much needed conversation. It's such a it's such a also a very specific conversation, niche conversation. But uh, once again, like it's it's definitely needed. And, it, and it, 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 it broadly still then becomes, even though it's a very niche conversation, that the broader theme is, yeah. what do we do with difference? And what do we do How with do we human complexity? Difference? How do we handle it? That's really the question that the key is. And, and also, you talk about my yeah. work. I'm very excited about what you're doing with the Think Alpha Project. You're out here really facilitating 
absolutely mandatory and necessary conversations. conversations. And that's what we need to evolve, to grow, to expand. So hats off to you, because you out here making it happen. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> no, I appreciate it. Thank you. Um, I, hey, it's, it's just work and it's cool. It's, because as much work that I put into it, it just doesn't feel, I don't dread it at all. It's, it That's feels good. like it's something I look forward to. So I know I'm on the right path because, because of how it feels. That's right. So it's fine with me. And I get to connect with you. It's been years. <laughs> it's been years. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah, thing. yeah, it's amazing, amazing. So how do, we, how do we find you? I know we can find you on Instagram. Sure, yes. So my Instagram is Fumi underscore Lola. So that's F as in family, U-N as in Nancy, M as in mom, I underscore L-O-L-A. Um, my website has all information about myself and my projects that I'm engaging in and any particular efforts that I'm working on. And that's www.fumilola.com. And yeah, Twitter is underscore Fumi Lola underscore. That's awesome. Well, once again, thank you so much. Thank you so thank you much for having me. So glad to be in conversation with you, and I think we, I think we got somewhere. Oh yeah, we, uh, we definitely did. <laughs> we we definitely did. We left some people with some truth. That's there what matters. Is. There it is. Hey guys, that's a wrap. Hope you guys enjoyed that episode. I know that that was great for me. I learned a lot. I was able to share a lot as well. I want you guys to go on thinkalpha.net forward slash 023. This is the 23rd episode. So make sure that you guys uh, check out how to contact her, see what the work that she's up to, and also leave a review, leave a comment in the section. I want to know how you guys feel. And also you guys know to reach me at Instagram. On Instagram, it's at Val Ewudo. Make sure that you guys reach out, you know, show some love. Let me know what you think. Of course, we're willing to get better every single time. But on another note, this is the year where we make things happen. We develop our vision. We develop our discipline. And then we make some things happen. I don't want to know about you guys just standing still. You don't have to stand still in life when there's so much in store for all of us. So, guys, get out there. Make it happen. I'll see you guys on the next one. Peace.